so much. Please do be seated. And if I can invite um, Chris to join us this morning. Morning, Chris. Morning, yes. <laughs> Who thought we'd be here? Who thought? Who knew? So, I mean, um, I don't know where you were, Sam, but I was uh, in the chip shop last night at, when I got this message saying, Jonathan's not well. And I thought, oh, I'll, I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, not just, but I would find something uh, from the past. Yeah. But then in conversation, I think, you know, let, let's actually try and do something today on this theme, even if it's not something that we've talked about in the past. I haven't. Um, and I think that's good because God works in a congregation, in a time, in a place. And hopefully, out of whatever we've done on WhatsApp, yeah. um, you know, God's in it. <laughs> let's, let's pray so. It's not just countries that get run by WhatsApp now, it's <laughs> churches as well, isn't it? <laughs> yes, um, yes. Yeah, I was washing the dishes, actually, Chris, when I got the message. Yes. Um, but yeah, we, we were messaging backwards and forwards, and um, Sarah's leading the children's work today. And um, Sorry, I feel really rude, I've got my back to you, I'm going to turn around. Um, and the, the children are looking at this story today as well, uh, in their group, mm. and it just felt really powerful to be able to know that everybody in our church, from the youngest to the oldest today, we're all hearing the same piece of scripture yeah. and unpacking yeah. it together. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, shall I just, you Thanks. know, so, um, you know, I had a look at this last night and thought, what other thoughts um, would, could we have on this passage? Um, I'll just read the passage to you again from Mark. Um, I don't know if we have it on the screen, but I think it's Mark 12, is it? Right. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. I've obviously got an American Bible here. (laughs) Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And I guess I had two questions from this. We'll talk about the first one. And my first question was, how did this widow, I wonder how she felt that her gift was so small. Because we think about um, the response of Jesus to the disciples. We quickly move away from her, don't we? She's gone now. We don't know what happened to her. She put the coins in and went. Or, or maybe she didn't. I don't know. Maybe she heard the conversation. And then we suddenly switch the camera switches to Jesus and his disciples. But I wonder how she felt. Because um, clearly people could see what was going on. Um, it actually says here, everyone could see the offering. Mark actually says, Jesus sat down and literally watched people putting money in. So it was some kind of open offering. I haven't looked in commentaries, but it looks like that. Plus again, a couple of coins... Um, when people are throwing in bags of money, would have been quite difficult. And I, I imagine it's almost like if we had an open place here at the front, and there's loads of people putting in 20-pound notes, right? and you've brought 50p, and you might think, I'm, I'm not going to bother. What, what's the point of that? Everyone's going to see. So everyone could see, and we don't read that she was reassured, that even Jesus reassured her. So how did she feel? And it made me think of um, this, you know, sh- the shame of being poor. And uh, fortunately, I've never been poor. Uh, I don't think so. We were born into a terrace house with no 
um, inside tall and no bath, but I didn't, never thought we were poor. And obviously now I live a very comfortable middle-class life. And um, when I went to uh, a church in Withenshaw before I came here in 2013, um, my mentor at the time was uh, Ashley Harding, and many of you know him. He was at Aldershot Baptist Church. Um, he was a brilliant, very wise mentor. I had him for like three years. Very lucky I was. And he knew I was going from Bramall, where I'd been for 20 years, which is also a very leafy, middle-class, white, professional area to a, a, a very different area. Um, actually, before Bramall, we were in Warley Range, Moss Side, which was, the, according to the Church of England, the most deprived parish in, man, in, in, the, in the country. But that was 20 years ago. So I was used to this very middle-class environment. And so he gave me an exercise to do. Um, he says, I'm going, I want you to do something. Um, not, now, not everybody in Withenshaw is poor, obviously. Some people are really quite well off. But a, there is a lot of poverty, deprivation, um, lack of education, a lot of need, for sure. And he said, Chris, why don't you do this? Why don't you take something that you own, that you value, go and sell it to a pawn shop in Withenshaw, and the next week go and buy it back. Oh, that's an interesting exercise to do. It doesn't sound that hard, does it? You go into a shop, you hand over something, get some money, then you go and buy it back. So I, I was a bit, I went into Withenshaw Civic Centre, which was very, very near the church. And, you know, there's cash generator, pound converter, we buy gold. It's full of shops like that. You won't see a single one in Lynn, but it's full of shops like that. I thought, oh, you know, and suddenly I felt a bit out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Anyway, I went and I thought, well, I've got this watch, which I quite like, and it's about 100 quid or something, which I thought was quite a lot of money. I really like it. So I went in and immediately just felt like a fish out of water. And I took my watch to the counter and I said, oh, you know, can I, can I sell this watch? And she looked at me as though, as though I was an idiot. Right? It's like, we don't, we don't buy things like that. Oh, I said, right. He <laughs> says, we buy designer watches or new, box, new watches in the original packaging. Not like that. So, oh, you know, immediately just felt, I didn't know, right? So I went out and then I, I looked at the other shops. I thought, I need something else, right? So I had an incident with trying to take a laptop, which in the end I didn't because I thought, even however much you clean a laptop's disk, there's some clever guys out there that can recover data. And eventually I thought, well, I've got this phone which, because um, my company gave me a new phone, and they never asked for the old, old phones back. So it was about four years old. It was an iPhone, whatever. So I went and I said, oh, you know, to uh, there's one that, so, that buys technology uh, and gives you cash. And so I had a bit more courage. So, Can I sell you this iPhone? And again, just feeling, you know, what am I doing here? You know, this, this is not a good place for me to be. And the guy said, I'll buy your iPhone. And I said, how much would you give me? He said, £95, which wasn't much for it. I said, if I come back next week to buy it again, because that's what happens a lot in these places. People will, they just need to get to the end of the week to get their wage at the end of the week. And they, and they can't manage. I'm just, sorry, just, just another incident, right? that I just sticks in my mind. I was with a lady, a young lady, who was with her husband, who was incredibly ill in hospital. She had two little kids under the time. And it was a Monday. I remember saying to her, which was part of members of our church, I remember saying, will you be okay for money? And she said, yeah, I'll be okay. I've got 16 pounds till Thursday. And I thought, gosh, most people I know, 16 pounds could fall out of our pocket and we wouldn't even know 
Right. Anyway, sorry, back to this one. So the iPhone. He said, I said, he said I'll sell you the phone back uh, next week. I said, how much will you, can I buy it back? He said, £125. I said, that's 30 quid. That's like a 33% markup in a week. So anyway, I took the phone. I went back to Ashley. I said, I'm not giving that guy 33% for this phone just to get it back. Ashley was fine. I said, you've done the exercise. And you, and you know a little bit about what it feels. And that made me think as well, Sam, that, um, which I'd never thought about before. But when we were teenagers, my, mother, uh, my father left us. My mum had trouble paying the mortgage. She actually pawned her jewellery. And I didn't think much of it after that. Or oh, mum sold some jewellery. But she was really proud. And she must have felt incredibly shamed. So coming back to this then, um, just this feeling of, of which we often don't appreciate, do we? You know, um, some of you I know will help in a food bank or, or at the Hope Centre. Uh, and we often underestimate, actually, just the feeling of shame um, that there is in not having anything or having much less. And um, coming back to then harvest and what, what this is about, harvest should be bringing what, what we can, it should be about bringing what we can, shouldn't it? Um, and appreciating the different amounts, the different situations that we're all in. God wants what we can bring. Um, the woman puts in two coins. She could have said, it's not, what's the point? All these people have got all this, have given all these bags of money. What's the point of me putting this in? And you could say financially, it probably didn't make any difference. But God valued that. He valued the money, but he valued the attitude, I think, of someone saying, I'm going to give. Yeah, I think that's really important. I was looking last night at the, what is the real value of the, the coins they put in? And there's various people make estimations, but yeah. one that I read was that I think a denarius was um, a day's labor. And the coins that she put in were worth one sixty-fourth. Right. of that denarius so we are talking minuscule yes. in terms of value like you say but for her value of course is a is a word that we attach to finance which is kind of standardized but value for individuals very much varies doesn't it yes um and one of the other things that stood out to me is why is it why is it specifically a widow that's highlighted in the story um it feels like a, a detail that you hear often and maybe don't focus on and actually, I think it's important we recognise that a widow, somebody in that culture, would have been someone who had lost their financial backing. They'd lost their safety net. There was no welfare state for them. There was no, um, you know, maybe no family that had, had scooped that widow up and, and provided what was needed. And at that time, the, the loss of a husband became destitution. And, you know, Sarah and I have talked recently, we... We have been in our journey since getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we decided not to. <laughs> we decided not to go for the high high flying careers, and, and we were we were youth workers, and we were in ministry, which we have loved. But money wise, it was tight, you know. And we we had we had some ends of the month where I really relate to what you know you're saying there about mm-hmm. that sixteen pounds left till Thursday, and you're counting every penny. Um, the difference for Sarah and I was. We were never truly in poverty because we always had behind us 
people that we could fall back on. Yeah. We always had, we, mm. and you know, there mm. were times and it, it, it felt shameful and it felt like I'd failed as a husband, as a father, but there were those times when we did have to reach out to family and friends and say, we cannot actually feed the kids this week. Please, can you help? We'll pay you as soon as we're paid. Um, you know, and Sarah and I are so blessed. We've got great families around us and we've got great friends around us. And we're now obviously in a, you know, our life has changed direction and we're in a much better place. But that sense of shame that was there um, is really hard to and shift. It, that, was, that was a big part of her, of her giving, wasn't yeah, it? exactly. But she, was, I, but she, she didn't giving. have that. I, I, my read on it is that she yeah. didn't have what Sarah and I had. She didn't even yes. have that background behind yeah. her. So she was in true yeah. poverty yeah. because she was giving everything. You know, that's a real challenge. And she's giving her self-esteem almost, isn't she? Yeah. She's, because she, everybody, I, people could see what, what she was giving. That's it. Uh, but she nevertheless, she said, well, this is what I have. This is what I can give. And we must never um, treat as insignificant what we can give. Right. Whether it's money or time or talent, um, as little as it is, God values it in ways that perhaps we don't really understand and we don't find it easy to grasp. Yeah, I, and I do wonder, perhaps in, in the life of the church, is that something that holds us back? You know, mm. those opportunities that arise to serve or to give or to, um, you know, plug a gap, are some of us beholden to self-doubt are we beholden to a sense of worthlessness for what it is that we have to offer do some of us feel like we've got those two coins rather than the pile of gold um i don't know I, maybe that's something that's worth us just reflecting on i think that is the case i think that is the case sam i think i have seen situations where i'm talking to people they don't want to bring their time and gifts because somebody else often who's done that job before did it so brilliantly did it really whatever it was children's work youth work they did it so well i don't think i could do it as well as that and so i won't offer but that goes against the spirit of this story doesn't it where god says it doesn't matter if you're willing and you can do something you've got something i want i want it i want it because it matters to me says god Absolutely. And I think it's incumbent on all of us as church members as well to be looking out for one another and recognising those things that people can offer and encouraging them in their giftings and saying, oh, you could come along and you could, mm. you could do this. It reminds me, it's a bit off on a tangent, but it, it reminds me of a conversation I had a few years ago with a parent in my class um, from a very challenging background, this family, and um, we, we were trying to work really hard to help um, the, the boy learn to read and um, he was quite far behind and so I, I just asked her to stay back after school one day and said look can we just talk about how you can support at home and uh, it's, oh, it's a real moment of shame for me because mm-hmm. I, I just had no idea she kind of flushed red started crying and, and she said but I can't read myself uh-huh. um, and for her she'd been carrying this sense of shame that she was unable to help her child but once I knew that I said look let's work together so she used to come and we used to do some reading classes together me and her and and I'd explain how even with her limited capacity to read she still had something to offer what she needed to do was sit make him read to her you know said come on we can act this out you can he doesn't need to know you can't read these are the questions you can ask he'll never know Mm -hmm. and actually she was then able to you know bring him on a little bit but 
but it takes us to identify that in one another and to see what it is that we can offer, even in our places of weakness, even in our places of, of seemingly having empty hands. We can, still, we can still gather people up, encourage people to give what they can and to do what they can. It's mm. really possible mm. and transformative mm. as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I just wonder if, um, if, as a congregation, don't feel pressured here. If you don't wish to speak, please don't. Um, some some people much prefer to reflect and listen and kind of think for themselves but it might be an opportunity now if if you wish to turn to the people around you and just have a quick chat is there anything for you that's jumped out from this passage so far in terms of having that heart of uh, offering of giving um, no matter what um, so yeah I'll just encourage you to to turn to the people around you if you wish have a chat or, or just listen to the conversations going on around you just for a couple of minutes Okay. Sorry to um, sorry to draw those conversations to a close for the moment. Um, please do, you know, continue later on. Um, we might have another chance in a moment for discussion. But I just wonder: is there anybody who has anything that they would like to share with us? That they would like to say? Anything that's stood out? Um, I promise, no one's going to be forced to hear. Brilliant. Uh, thank, yeah, I just said to Simon and Nick, I said, oh, I thought Simon was going to open up the microphone. Well, this is what I was going to share. <laughs> um, the quantities had nothing to do with it, about giving. It's all about the state of the heart and, um, you know, reconciling that before God. And the example I used was when our children were very young and whenever we started giving pocket money, encouraging them to uh, tithe it, you know, to give a percentage of it. Now, tithing's not a law, but it's a jolly useful guideline and a place to start and helpful. Um, you know, and you can imagine a child giving, what, that's my pee, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, and it's hard. And what I said to them, I said, you need to get used to it now because it is hard. Because you're giving something that, you know, frankly, you could be using yourself or whatever. And I said, the reason you need to get used to it now is because it doesn't get any easier when you have a lot. Because you think, oh, well, when I've got loads of money, it'll be easy. And it isn't. And I gave the example, and some of you will know, gosh, 2012, you know, when I was lost my job and all that trauma. And it was a monumental trauma for me about being able to provide for the family without a job and all the rest of it. Real anxiety, which God was faithful in, but that's another story. And um, I got a payout are you going to tie this? I, I was saying to myself, don't even think about it, I said. And this was a sub substantially more than 5p, should we say. Um, and the thing was, the Lord honoured that because my testimony, four and a 
quarter years later, for those of you who remember, was when I got a new job. I said, I, my testimony is about how God has sustained us as a family through four and a quarter years without me having a job, children growing up, and you know, all the expense there. But actually, it's not an issue of quantity. It's an issue of the heart. And quantities in relation to whatever you are, whether you're a widow with your mites or you're a millionaire. Thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. Is there anybody else has anything that they'd like to just? When you were talking about um, bringing the little, I, I guess my mind went to other things that Jesus has said about when you bring a little. And the thing that I felt was like God was saying, I'll meet you in that little. You know, like the little boy, the boy you brought the, the fish mm, and the small yeah. bits of loaf. Like God said, you know, I can multiply that. And sometimes where we feel inadequate, that's when he meets us and goes, actually, you can do this. You know, like you said to Gideon, you're a man of valor. You, he thought you was weak. And God was like, no, step up and then see what you can become and what I can do in and through you and through others. So I just, um, yeah, I mean, we were just thinking about opportunities like within the church, you know, if like you were mentioning about serving and somebody might say, I'm not good at praying, I'm not good at doing this, I'm not. Well, actually, you know, if you step up, like you'll be surprised at what God might do when you'll, and, and you get blessed in the process. That's the thing. You, when you're giving out, you, you get blessed as well. Um, and that's not what it's about, but God does do something. He does something and changes something in us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there is sometimes that sense of, oh, I'm going to do something selfless, and then you're like, oh, but I'm so blessed through it. Am I being selfish here? But, you know, you do, don't you? Through serving, you are, you are truly blessed. Thank you for that. Is there anybody else, anything that they'd like to offer or share? Uh, if there's anyone at home, by the way, if you've got any thoughts and you're watching this on YouTube, you can always type um, something underneath the feed and that might pop up and maybe one of the AV guys can shout it out for us. So um, please do feel really included as well um, in the conversations at home. Okay. Yeah, I really like what um, you said there, Jazz. They never thought of that. Um, loaves and fishes. It's, um, maybe he felt embarrassed as well. It's like, you know, <laughs> what's the point of this? You know... <laughs> But God wants our hearts. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's some, um, just thinking more generally <clears throat> about giving and money um, and tithing and, uh, and, you know, what Nick said. I think it's great if we can bring our kids up from as early as they've got any money to give 10% of, or whatever it is you decide to charity, to the church, to people less well off than ourselves. And then... I think for the rest of your life, you just don't regard it as yours, which is true, isn't it? Everything we have comes from God. We only give you what is already yours, says the, says they say in the Anglican Church. Um, and money is interesting, isn't it? Because it's a bit of a taboo subject, and it's like, oh, that's quite worldly. But um, God really cares about money. God really cares about money. Um, I've, I was looking again last night. There are apparently 2,000 verses in the Bible about money. God cares about it because he knows it will either help, we can either become great disciples through our use of money or it will hinder us in our discipleship. It will hinder our discipleship. And if you just look at the number of times that Jesus spoke about money, apparently 11 parables Jesus speaks about money, where it's the pearl of great price and the, and the merchant wanted to sell this pearl, wanted to find this pearl at great price, or the prodigal son who squandered his money or the talents, parable of talents, using it wisely. 
or the workers in the vineyard who were all bothered, they all went at different times and they all thought, oh, we're going to get paid different amounts because I've worked longer than him. But, but they actually all got paid the same amount, which is a really interesting parable. Or the lost coin, um, or indeed the rich fool um, who said, I've got so much, what can I do? I just need a bigger barn. I need a bigger bank account to put all this money in because it's so much. I've got an even bigger bank account to put all this money in. There's loads of parables about money as well as actual incidents um, that Jesus, uh, that we're told that Jesus went through, that things that happened historically like this widow's mite in the collection or uh, the account with Zacchaeus, which was this man who's, whose heart had somehow become frustrated and he was cheating people uh, for money. Um, or indeed, um, interestingly, the young ruler um, who's the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, look, I've, I've done everything. You know, I've followed all the rules. What's the most important laws? I've done that. What's the most, second most important law? I've done that as well. And Jesus says, you only have to do one more thing. Sell everything you have and follow me. And this is the only recorded incident in scripture of a person turning away an invitation from Jesus. The only occurrence in Scripture where Jesus says to someone, follow me, and he says, no, I can't. And it's over money. So money can make our discipleship, actually, or it can break our discipleship. And um, it, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's actually an index to our character as well, I think. You, know, you often know how people are by what they do with their money, and I think God can do that with us as well. He can see our hearts by how we view money. And um, one last thing, perhaps, just to share, because um, I think one thing that we do is we look at what other people have got, right? That, that's what was happening that day in the treasury. You could see what other people had put into the pot. Jesus could see, others could see. And we do that, don't we? see how much other people have got. And we think, um, we tend to look at the people who have got more than us. And there's just something that happened to me this summer, which actually... Um, was to do with food, but it, it really works, I think, for money, which is that um, Alice and I went interrailing. Yeah? We went, previously went interrailing 26 years ago. We went this year, and we're going to go every 26 years from now. So, uh, <laughs> possibly with carers, but, uh, but we're going to go every 26 years. So we went, and, uh, we went Central Europe, Eastern Europe, and we ended up in Scandinavia. Um, much, very different cost system to Eastern Europe. And we met our daughter in Copenhagen, and went for a meal. She'd booked a meal at this vegetarian restaurant, which has a magnificent buffet. And, and you may know that um, two years ago I was diagnosed as celiac, which means I can't eat, shouldn't eat food with uh, wheat flour or barley or rye. And it's, yeah, it's been okay. It's a bit frustrating. You go into these cake shops and you just can't choose anything. Greg's is completely off the charts. I had, I had, a, I had an actual emotional moment, right? Seriously. When I, Alice, we were in A&E, and it was fine, you know, but with A&E, and I was something to do with the heart flutter thing. We were there at two in the morning, and I was absolutely starving, really hungry, right? She was in the dots, and I thought, oh, there's a, and I looked at my phone, there's a McDonald's just down the corner. And then I had this moment, I thought, I don't think I can ever go to McDonald's again. <laughs> and I was genuinely, like, bereaved, honestly. I don't know why, I don't, not that, not that I, but anyway... <laughs> Anyway, in this restaurant, right, and we went to this for this meal, and it apparently had gluten-free food, which was fine. And um, I looked at the buffet, magnificent buffet, not cheap, it's Copenhagen. And, you know, they had there uh, loads of hot food, great fresh food, lasagna, which I couldn't have, 
Freshly baked bread, which I couldn't have. Pasta, which I couldn't have. Um, Samosas, which I couldn't have. Spring rolls, which I couldn't have. And I remember kind of almost like Almost like two years of, of, of slight annoyance building up into a great resent within me and thinking, all this stuff that I can't have, I'm, I'm getting really cross about it. Quite angry, actually. I don't know why. Um, and I honestly, distinctly heard God saying to me, stop looking at what you can't have. Why don't you look at what you can have? Just look at what you can have. And I looked, and there was this great buffet. There was fries, chips, which were gluten-free. There was interesting salads made out of pomegranates. There were Greek salads. There was lots of other stuff. And it was good. And I think that's something that we do, isn't it? We, with money as well, we always look at what other people have got that's more than us. Um, but actually, I think God says, what you've got is okay. Unless you're starving on the street, what you've got is okay. And I want you to give from that. And that's a really important point. I think that sense of comparing yourself either through your finance or other attributes yeah. is, a, is a real thief. It really steals from yes. you. It's something I've fallen yeah. victim to with uh, my siblings. I'm one of six children. And for years, I've, I've actually verbalized the narrative that I am the least successful, that I am the poor. Oh, no, honestly, I don't know what I'm going on about. The least successful, the poorest, <laughs> um, the least talented, the least interesting. His you know, and you family must be so talented. Your... <laughs> He's the, this is the least talented. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, and, I'm, and you, you kind of look, yeah. you look at those around you and like I've got a brother who's a colonel in the army and another brother who's very senior right. in the police and you know all these, and you, you get yourself trapped, don't you, in this thing. Um, and, you know, when I lived on the island and, and Sarah and I were youth workers, they'd all come over every summer. Um, Debbie will know well what it's like when all of the family uh, descends every summer. And, you know, they'd be like, oh, let's go out for a meal. And everyone would be ordering these really expensive things. And I'd be like, oh, I'll have a side salad, please. Um, <laughs> Should have <laughs> gone know, to McDonald's. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you just put yourself, don't you, in yes. these situations. Yeah. And actually, none of my siblings had ever done anything to make me feel like that. Yeah. That's completely my problem. Yeah, we create it. We put it on ourselves. Completely my we? problem. Yeah. And, you know, because I, I held all this anger and resentment towards them, and I thought, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah. Am I angry that they're successful? Yeah. Am I angry that I'm not successful? What, what is my issue here? And actually, so often, our outward anger and frustration towards other people, we really need to pick up a mirror and, it's looking and look at ourselves. Focusing we? on what I have got yeah. and what you have got, which yeah. is enormous, the talents that you bring, Sam. Yeah. Um, the fact that you can just do this with almost no preparation. <laughs> we had this chat last night, and Sam said, oh, it's fine, I'll just wing it. And I said, I'm not winging it, I'm doing some notes. <laughs> this is the least talented member of the family. I actually said, I wing it every day of my life in school, <laughs> listen. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just sorry to keep waffling on here, but yeah. um, just to return as well to um, what you shared there, Nick, really powerfully, and, and very honestly, thank you for doing that. Um, that sense of release to God, I think, is really important. Um, Sarah and I have got some great friends who um, have taught me the value of releasing when a gift is given. Yeah. You know, they were incredibly generous and, um, and, and helped us out with something, which I cannot even imagine being able to do for somebody else, you know, at that point in my life. And, and I said, I just don't know how I'm ever going to repay you. And they said, but it's a gift. It's not a debt. This isn't a loan. This is a gift. 
you know, and actually when a gift is given, and she actually said, when a gift is given, I look the other way and I will never, ever ask you again where that gift has gone. Yeah. And that's really tricky. Yes. That's powerful, isn't it? Because to give a gift, to serve of yourself, to serve of your money, you've got to be ready in that moment to release it. So when we give, for example, to church, we've got to trust that John and the finance team who mm. do such an amazing job, we're saying to them, we trust you with our finance and we trust the church leadership to, to make that decision. You know, I don't hold any bond over that money anymore. Mm. I'm not going to come back and say, no, I'm, I'm taking that back. Um, just yeah. like if I give a birthday present to somebody, I can't turn up three years later and go, come on, where is it? I want to see the gift. Do you still have it? Are you using it in the way that I think you should? It's not mine. I've given it and, and I've released it and I've got to be okay with and we actually um, had a chat, we need to finish soon, but just on, on that sort of, of hanging on to things yeah. um, from previous experience, um, Jonathan suggested, because when we did the building, the refurbishment, people said they would pay for specific things. Uh, and Jonathan suggested, I think it was a really good suggestion, that actually, that's great, but we need to get people to just agree that you won't hold on to that, that you won't say, well, I paid for that whatever it is, that projector, so I, I want you to show things like this. Um, and, and people did. They were very gracious yeah, about yeah. that. But as humans, we, we can hang on to things, can't we? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, yeah. yeah, certainly. Um, fantastic. Is there anything, just before we kind of close this, this part of our service, is there anyone who feels, because it's obviously been quite an informal uh, setting this morning, it's, it's not always like this, and, and it's nice to do things a bit differently every now and then, um, yeah, just, if it's your first Sunday, sometimes we do have sermons. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, yeah. John. Coming over, John. So, I guess, as church treasurer, you might expect me to say something. Um, but, you know, what I've, what I've learned... Um, you know, in the years that I've, uh, I've looked after the church finances, is that God's economy works very different to the world's economy. And that, you know, it's interesting that the, um, the story of the, the loaves and fishes was mentioned because mm. I've observed that God's economy is a great multiplying economy. And that whenever we give, God takes that and multiplies it massively. Um, some of you may know that I, uh, I do some uh, volunteering at Oasis. And uh, I remember when um, we uh, had the, the Norman Moss legacy, if you remember, that was the start of, of all this. Um, I just felt very strongly that we should tithe that gift that we'd had. And it was a big sum of money that we uh, agreed as a church we would give away. And we agreed that we would give it to Oasis because Victoria Armstrong just had come and was you know, pleading for money. She was looking to set up an Oasis Centre um, <clears throat> to, to look after the poorest of people in, in Gorton. And so we gave £40,000 out of that legacy. It was a tenth of the, the legacy we got. Years down the line, I can see how God has multiplied that enormously and um, when we gave that check to uh, Victoria she was so emotional because she said I've been praying and that was exactly the amount she needed to release other funds from other trusts so God took that 40,000 and multiplied it to nearly a million pounds to wow. to fund the building of Oasis mm -hmm. and now that's um, giving food to the 
poorest of the poor people, um, giving crisis support to them. So never think that all you're giving is just a small amount because when you give from your heart, God's economy multiplies that. Thank you, John. Praise God for that. Angela. Um, I just want to say, I feel quite emotional, actually. Thank you, John, for sharing that because... Lynn Baptist has been such a blessing to Oasis that you will never know. When I walk in that place and I see the people that you all help, and that £40,000, and Victoria talks about that often, Oasis would not be there if it wasn't for that. So I know Victoria would want to say at this point, thank you so much. When help comes in from this church, she says, Lynn Baptist is such a a blessing to Gorton. So I just want to say thank you to all of you here for all that you do for that amazing charity and what, how life-changing that you all are to that place. Thank you. That's amazing. That's a really powerful point to, to finish on. Should we just spend a little bit of time in prayer? Father God, I just hope (laughs) in the spirit of what we've been talking about today that what we've been able to offer this morning, whilst, you know, quite last minute really, God, we, we just hope, God, that you're able to take this and multiply it. And that these seeds and these conversations and testimonies, Heavenly Father, would they settle on our hearts. And that we wouldn't just leave this here today. We would take it with us. God, we can't help but just praise you and thank you that you are a God who multiplies. And as John says there, your economy, the way that you view things, is so completely different to the way that we do. God, you make you make ways that we say are impossible. You split the sea that we can walk right through it. You sustain and feed and provide where there is no food. You fund the movement of life-changing work where there is no money. And your spirit breaks out in places where people have said it could never happen. So God, now as we, as we reflect on that, we hold in our minds those moments of impossibility in the human that have been made possible by God. Father, we just pray into the things that seem impossible now before us. We pray for that ongoing conflict and war not just in Ukraine but across Africa where we're seeing such unrest that sense of impossibility for your persecuted church father across this world 
that sense of impossibility for those in our society who are hungry, those who are risking everything, risking their lives and their children's lives to get here for freedom. God, would you speak into that impossibility and make things possible? Would your church find her voice? Would your church find her hands and feet? Father, move in us today. Move in us. Move in us. Stir in us a heart to give. And when we feel like we're clutching in our hand not much, God, help us to dig deep. Help us to trust. Help us to release into your hands, God. All that we have, all that we are. And I feel really compelled right now, Father, to pray for those of us in this room who carry voices of being insignificant, or we think we are unworthy, or we have fallen victim to comparison. And I just pray in Jesus' name that that would be broken here today. The Spirit of God moves in power in this place and does not permit these lies to hold us. So we pray freedom in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God, we thank you for the harvest. We thank yeah. you for the gifts. We thank you for the abundance and the plenty. Just pray, God, that we would become those workers that would get out into that harvest. We would reach the last, the least, and the lost for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.